Welcome to my guest this morning, Andrew Ferris, the CEO of Ecognosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. And Carl Rodder, a senior market analyst at Capital.com. Good morning, Kyle. Morning, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you both on today. Let's kick off with Japan with interesting news there. It unexpectedly has fallen into recession. And not only that, it's been knocked off its perch as the third biggest economy by Germany. So I'm wondering if this will impact the BOJ's plans to exit its ultra-loose monetary policy and negative interest rates. What do you think, Kyle? I absolutely think it will. Um, I thought for a little while that perhaps the assumption clearly backed into the markets, as you can see right now, that the Bank of Japan will be in any, in any sort of position to raise rates uh, this year with likely other central banks around the world at least easing policy at the margins in response to probably doctor inflation impulse globally as well as uh, global economic activity um, is a fairly bold uh, assumption. So I think, obviously, this is more of a domestic story as it relates to Japan, um, but it indicates that the window, uh, if not... Uh, very, very narrow now to tighten policies, getting very, very close to being closed. And in saying that, too, it, it might even be working against the interests of the BOJ to do so, given the fact, obviously, they spent generations to try and re-anchor re inflation yeah. uh, to a higher level, and they might be on the cusp of achieving that. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Andrew? No. Uh, I don't think uh, Japan is going to cut interest rates anytime soon. Uh, for the very simple reason that they are in a very weird quandary. Okay, for a long time, Japan was after a higher inflation, not a lower inflation, a higher inflation. Okay, its inflation is still over the target that they had set, which is 2%, and Japan got more than higher inflation. Right now, the inflation is running at 2.6%. And it has been running so for, for several months now, in other words, over the target. However, the Japanese were very concerned that any attempt to begin to increase interest rates would weaken the economy. And the economy has already told us that it is weak by having a, a nominal, at least, uh, uh, recession session. In other words, having uh, two back-to-back, quarter-on-quarter uh, negative GDP growth, of which I will speak later on, because all mm. this is complete nonsense, actually. It means absolutely okay. nothing. But, okay, what it does mean is, is that they are still uncertain as to the direction of the economy, whereas they are fairly uncomfortable still with the inflation they have. The fact that other countries are cutting interest rates is really of no interest to them any more than it is of interest to them that the People's Bank of China effectively has been running a loose monetary policy and may very well continue to do so. So I'm very comfortable with what I see in Japan, and I actually advise my clients to begin to bite slowly uh, into the Nikkei, although the Nikkei has been doing yeah. very well now, because Japan will be eventually the first one to start progressively cutting interest rates, the first one progressively cutting interest rates, because I don't think the U.S. is going to cut interest rates before the middle of summer. Yes, that's looking like it's going to get further and further away. Well, certainly not sooner. Um, yeah. So you, you wouldn't expect the negative interest rates to be changed this year at all, or the ultra-loose monetary not, policy? Not this year. Mm. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't expect yeah. the negative okay. interest rates to be changed possibly for the next uh, perhaps six months. Because mm. they've been talking, though, about doing it. So I guess they're going to have to eat a bit of humble pie yeah, well, and <laughs> change direction. Yes. yes.
Okay, let's move on to the UK economy. Um, Also not doing very well, has entered a recession, although that's not so much of a surprise. What are your thoughts on the UK economy, Andrew, and what is potentially election year? Yeah. Now we have. I, I, sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to overdo this, but I have a huge mistrust on quarter-on-quarter annualized rates because they are meaningless. Yeah. They are utterly meaningless. Okay, uh, I much prefer to look year on year, and that's why in the case of Japan, mm. the year on year numbers are not that bad. In the case of UK, the year on year numbers are bad because the economy has been decelerating from the beginning of the year. Okay, so I don't see anything particularly good in the numbers we have seen, and the fact that, you know, back to back they are now in recession, again, I say this is meaningless, and I'll explain in a minute. And therefore, as far as the Bank of England is concerned, I don't see them cutting interest rates. Look, annually quarter and quarter on quarter annualized means that taking the quarter on quarter number annualizing it means that the economy will be running at that rate at the end of the year. They never do. Okay, so what's the point of using it? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, that's a a very good point. Do you have any idea there, Kyle? The way that I assess the UK economy and its challenges are a little bit unique to perhaps the rest of the world um, at the moment, really on the basis that I think it's still going through the painful um, sort of supply sort of shocks, um, both in the labour market as as well as energy markets as well, which is causing, you wouldn't want to call them obviously stagflationary conditions because they're not, but there's that kind of flavour to them. So... The economy itself is, is obviously struggling, struggling. The Bank of England's probably going to have to remain, you know, fairly restrictive in policy, but at the same time, they could have a, a negative growth shock as well. So that precarious situation might actually ironically be good for, for equity prices just because of the, the, the currency um, yeah. impact on, of, of all of that. But uh, still fundamentally uh, a very uh, structurally difficult position that the UK finds itself in because of these supply mm. side issues. So, so you're saying the UK is particularly negatively impacted by supply issues because when you compare it, well, to other countries in Europe, with possibly the exception of Germany, UK really isn't doing very well, is it? No, indeed. Um, and I think, again, it's, it's dealing with these sort of now um, knock-on issues to the, to, to, to the sort of slow process and uh, reaction of, of Brexit, as well as, again, the, the same issues that Europe's facing in terms of yeah. you know, energy security and the impacts of the war as well. So kind of Brexit's giving it a double whammy. Mm. Okay. Indeed. Well, let's stick with Europe and just broaden the conversation to the rest of Europe. As I mentioned, it's not looking so particular rosy in Germany right now. But what's your view on Europe, Kyle? Uh, Overall, I think that from an equity market standpoint, there's some potential further upside there. And again, this this goes towards just the the currency channel and and it's, it's... the euro continues to, in my view, depreciate, and the US dollar remains fairly robust because of a, of a very, very strong and outperforming US economy. Um, but in terms of the position that Germany finds itself in at the moment, again, it's a very similar situation to what we're talking about in the UK, although not quite as extreme because the labour market uh, impacts is still the knock-on effects of um, you know, energy security, which clearly has been dealt with in many respects because they've diversified uh, their uh, energy supply lines, especially when it comes to natural gas, but still um, having some difficulties dealing with that very uncertain outlook for, for China, their export, uh, 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 part of their, their, their economy. Um, and this cyclical downturn that we're seeing as a result of you know, higher interest rates and arguably still um, in the long term structurally weak fundamentals. So 
I think Europe is looking fairly negative as far as uh, the, the fundamentals go. Again, a little bit like the UK, there could be a sort of perverse, maybe short-term run-up in equity indices on the basis of just the currency impacts of, and, and, and the, the knock-on impacts of a, of a weaker euro against the US dollar. Uh, but still, we're seeing a cyclical downturn um, in Europe, and it's, and it's certainly standing in contrast to, I think, the resilience that we're seeing in the United States, the, the very surprising resilience that we're perhaps seeing in the United States. Well, the interesting thing is Germany, as I said, knocking Japan off the perch, the third biggest um, uh, economy. But I guess that's more down to exchange rates. How, how long do you think that'll last before Japan pops back up again? I, I suspect that this is a trend. I think Japanese fundamentals are still very, very weak. Uh, we're, we're seeing a demographic cliff still playing out and, and no sort of desire to you know, change that through immigration policy. The institutions are obviously working very hard, but at the end of the day, it's a demographic issue. So I think Japan is still in a sort of a secular decline, at least on a relative basis. So I think this is a, a trend that will, will probably continue, even if you know perhaps we see it reverse at some point over the next few quarters, This the, the direction of travel will remain the same. OK. Andrew, Europe. <laughs> um, a word. I'm, af- I'm afraid here we almost avoided a recession again because uh, the third quarter was minus 0.10 and the fourth quarter was zero, so it was not a back-to-back defla- back-to-back recession. Okay, but uh, the year-on-year numbers are, are pretty bad in the sense that the economy has been decelerating almost continuously. And yes, interest rates is uh, is a very interesting. <laughs> Uh, quandry. And in fact, Always. what also worries me is that uh, the inflation target, which is 2%, has been in inverted commas missed continuously, meaning that there is no clear trend of the inflation coming down rapidly towards the 2% level. And right now, we're getting forecasts that demand for liquefied natural gas are going to absolutely burst in the coming 12 months. And remember, it was the increases in uh, gas prices caused by the Ukraine war that actually gave the big jump in European inflation. And the last thing they want right now is another big jump in in energy prices, particularly consumer sector energy prices. So awkward, okay? And uh, like I am with the United States, I'm neutral to negative both on European stocks and on United States stocks, but for different reasons. Yeah. You why in United States stocks, you just don't see the current rises as sustainable? I'm sorry, I didn't catch you. Uh, you sorry. said you're, you're also not very optimistic on US stocks. Is that because you're not seeing the current uh, yeah, rises yeah, actually, as sustainable? For a very, a very mm. simple, a very simple yeah. reason is that the Fed has got itself into a really impossible situation because they want to see inflation down at 2% and stay there. Remember, it's no good inflation hitting 2% in May, and then the Fed says, well, fantastic, it's 2%, now we're going to cut interest rates. They want to see it stay there, and actually the trend in inflation is virtually all over the place. It's sort of 2.4, 2.7, 2.3, 2.1, 2.4. In other words, it is uh, uh, directionless. Okay, and hence I don't expect that we're going to see a direction on inflation properly where uh, the Fed wants it, till about June or July. And therefore, I don't see the Fed cutting interest rates anytime soon now. My advice to my clients is we cannot outguess the Fed. Yes, it will cut interest rates, but we never know how, because then we have to guess what the Fed is going to interpret the data and statistics is seeing that, how they're going to be interpreted. So, you know, it's, it's a meaningless exercise. Yeah. So I tell them to buy the stairs once the Fed has cut. That's late. I'm, I'm acutely aware of that. We'll jump after the event, but I much prefer to be late and right uh, than early and wrong. Okay. 
well, this is all getting very depressing, I have to say. Can we, let's try and change the track. Um, what, what are you feeling more optimistic about? Let's start off with Kyle and then go to Andrew. You've got about 30 seconds each. Kyle, what are you feeling more optimistic about sectors and markets? I'm, if, if I was thinking about a sympathetic and glass half full assessment of things, is that the Fed has uh, has been pretty on the money so far with its assessment of the economy going forward, and there is signs of resilience in the US economy. Uh, that's problematic for markets because it means that there is probably going to have to be some more of a reevaluation of the rate outlook, and that could be fairly precarious for asset prices because a lot of the, the run-up we've seen in equities is because of multiple expansion. Uh, but so far, the Fed has been fairly successful uh, in, in doing its job and telling and, and forecasting what the economy is going to do. So okay. a, a sympathetic view on the world would, would suggest that they've been doing pretty well so far. Uh, Andrew, 20 seconds. What are you feeling more optimistic about? Defence, 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 defence. It's totally politically incorrect. Okay, It will not pass <laughs> any ESG mm. uh, metrics uh, test. But the firms have been doing very well right across the board. And people tend to ignore that Asia has a big, juicy defense sector. Right. Well, we got that message loud and clear, Andrew. So thank you to my guest today, Andrew Ferris, the CEO of eCognosis Advisory, and Carl Rodder, Senior Market Analyst at Capital.com. Defense, defense, defense.